Imagine being homeless in a country that actually isn't your home, country that you're not familiar with mm-hmm. at all, down to you're not actually even familiar with the climate of said country. And being in your early 20s, which was the age Sammy was at when he's going to tell his story, or now he's in his 30s, but at the time he was in his 20s when he went through what he went through. Sammy, firstly, thank you for doing this. And can you tell me, one, why you wanted to do this? And just tell me a bit about you. Who are you? How would you describe you? Okay, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. The reason, the core reason why I want to do this podcast with you is to give a new perspective to people who haven't gone through homelessness for them to know what if the experience of a person is when they have to go through that. So as for my background, I wasn't born in here. I was born in Pakistan. I came in here in 2009. Now I've got two beautiful daughters, a lovely wife. I've got my parents in here, my siblings in here. And I work for a housing association, which is quite ironic after being homeless. A quick, just a quick thing. I went on to Google and was trying to do some research and it popped up. One of the things that came up, and this is actually what it said, was the main cause of homelessness is largely due to mental illness, substance abuse, and the decreasing amount of affordable housing. Can you agree with any of those three? Just wanted to mention that these were obviously only some factors. They're by no means all of them. And when Sammy and I did this, it was in 2019. Shelter estimated that there was 280,000 homeless people, including those in temporary accommodation, at the end of December 2019. Also, if you're found rough sleeping, you can actually be arrested and deported for that. You can actually be deported. And I suspect, obviously, that the number of um, rough sleepers, number of homeless people has increased since 2019. And possibly, rather than taking certain steps such as deportation, maybe we should be looking into what we can do to help them. So... There are charities out there, crises, shelter, that can assist, that you can donate money to. There's an increased amount of people now who are using food banks, including people with young children, babies, elderly people. You can find them in your local supermarket. So the housing situation has changed since 2019. So I just wanted to add that in. I think the first two, mental health crisis and addictions, I think they are exceptions. They're not general rule. But I think the third one, the lack of affordable rent, that's a big problem. That's a massive issue. And I think that that's the main reason why people fall out of um, the ladder and then they fall into homelessness. I agree with that because I think in my situation, for example, it only takes for me to not get free paychecks paid into my bank account. You know what I mean? And actually from that point on, I'm at risk of losing my home. So I guess, yeah, 
I agree with you. You can't really just create those three categories and say, that's it. I do think it's a lot more complicated than that. But you do agree with the decreasing amount of affordable housing? That's true. Yes. That's one of the, personally, I went through that. So I can say yes. And people I, I was staying with in the, in a, one of the hostels where a lot of homeless families were, that's one of the core issues, lack of affordable rent. Okay. Would you be able to just briefly explain how you went from, you got here in 2009, so how you went from 2009 to basically the point where you found yourself with nowhere to live? What factors contributed to that? Yes. So when I first arrived in this country back in 2009 with my family, because one of the conditions for our visas was that we cannot access any of the public funds, which means you cannot get housing benefit. Everything that you do comes out of your pocket, and that includes the rent. So we stayed in a private property for a few years. People think that when immigrants come over, they literally just walk off, you know, walk out of the train station or a taxi and then walk into the benefit office and then they're given however much money. I, I, I do think it's a myth that people think, oh, yeah, you know, they just come over and they just give money straight away. So thank you for saying that's not the case, Sammy. Please continue. Yes. So this is a general perception in this country that immigrants, they just land and they get everything. When the reality is completely opposite, you're not getting anything. And on top of that, you have to pay all of the taxes that are due on your wages that you earn. So you're not getting anything, but you're paying the government. And if you miss out on it, then doesn't matter how many years you've spent in this country, how much you've invested in here, you'll be sent back. So if you're an immigrant and you have to go and private rent and then you have to wait before you can even apply for social housing, you still have to pay taxes. Make it make sense, government. That makes no sense at all. Exactly, yeah. So you've got to pay all of the taxes, but you can't get anything back. It's not just the benefits. A, person, a young kid like me who came in here, I cannot access any of the colleges or universities until I pay overseas student fee, which is much more higher than what a national citizen of this country pays. So I think it's, it's very unfair. And that's one of the reasons when immigrants come in this country, they do not get equal opportunities and they can fall back. Like someone like me who would ideally be doing a white collar job is now stuck with a blue collar job. I mean, I'm saying it's a bad thing, but what I'm saying is I could have done much more better. Okay, so there could be people who could possibly say that, well, I hate saying it because I think it's so, it just, I find it so offensive. If you're going to come over here and complain and you think you could do better, then why don't you go back home? No, no, no. I, that, that's a fair question. And I, uh, let me clarify, I'm very happy to be here. It was a very good decision that we came here. That's not a problem. What I'm saying is I'm not complaining that, I didn't get this, so I'm, I'm not blaming anyone. What I'm saying is that there's certain rules that can be changed for skilled immigrants who are coming here, who are, who are basically helping your country or our country, and they, they're investing. I, I accept that. This is my country. But make things easy for people who are coming here, people that you need to come here and serve you in NHS and other places, so make it easy for them. And I'm not saying that you have to change all of the laws, some, some of the laws, some of the rules by home office. They do, they do not make sense and they should be changed. Okay. I agree that people who don't get access to anything should not be then paying taxes. But again, United Kingdom, 
they just text you, text you, text you, text you throughout your life and text you when you die. So I'm not overly surprised at all. Going back to the private property bit, the reason why I, I went into this spiral of in this procedure of getting myself out on the streets is the way it all started is that because we were paying private rent and it was two bedroom house, if I needed more because I got married, I got a kid now. And the council said, this is overcrowded. You got to move out. We couldn't do this because going to a three bedroom house and paying more rent, we could not afford. So I basically went back to council and I said, look, I've got my family. I've got my parents and my siblings. They can stay in this house, but can you provide me with a residence? And they agreed to it. They did credit. They agreed to it. And they put me in a homeless hostel for a few months. Who, so, who was that? Was that just my wife and me and my kid? Because by this time, by this time, because I don't know if you've said it by this time, how many years later are we looking at from 2009 to when? Four years later. So, in, so uh, four five years, years later, later. 2014, 2014, when my first baby was born. Okay. So, um, okay. I'm calculating in my little brain. So years later in that time, you got married and you had a baby. Yes. I have a question and you know what this one's going to be. I know. Okay. okay. But why did you think, knowing your situation, your housing situation, did you not think that actually, do you know what, really, it's not such a sensible idea to get married at this time and have a baby because we're going to be overcrowded? Because prior to this stage, you already had five people in a two bed and then you're looking at six people and a baby in a two bed. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair question. But first of all, my naivety, I didn't know that what the rules and laws are, that if you've got a kid, if you've got a baby and you've got all these people living in, in one property, that's overcrowdedness, you've got to move out. I didn't know these laws. I'm not from here, so I have no clue. Where we are from in our culture, we stay with our parents, regardless of how many kids you have. That's how things roll. So put my hand up. Okay, okay, fine. I'm going to agree with you on that one then, because I was going to say, you should have done your research. There's no way I'd go to a foreign country and not do not do my research. But it's fine. I, I get it. You were young. I'm basically but saying I mean, you were young. I mean, you, you can move somewhere, but you're not going to know all of the laws. I still don't know. A lot of the stuff, even though I've been here 12 years, I don't know everything because I'm not from here. But you don't need to know everything, but you should surely know the things that you need. I I don't know all the laws, but I know things that apply to me, for example, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But again, I never thought about it. And the second thing is that if you mean like my circumstances should get better before I have kids and that's 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 a very good idea but in real life I think even now you can say your circumstances are good enough for two kids or three kids but you can't hold your life back because your circumstances are not good I can't be saying I'm not going to have kids until I have my own property ideally well that's not going to happen okay fair enough fair enough okay so um, you went to the council so they put you in a hostel uh, that, uh, you my and your wife and the baby. Yes. Okay, so then what happened from there? Yes, so I was in that hostel with my family. This, keep keeping in mind that it's just a single bedroom. I'm not talking about a flat. So Is it communal? Is there a kitchen, bath, facilities, toilet? How big would you say 
how big would you say it was? What was it? Was it like, I don't know, in my head, it's because I know that I had to go into one, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Not like check myself into one. I had to go into one. Anywho, but it was a house it was divided into different rooms was it like that no so it's it, it was a host but it was previously an all care home right okay and they've they've transformed that into a homeless base or homeless host for okay. the council okay and it's they got everything communal so you have to share kitchen you have to share baths you have to share toilets and then you have your own individual bedroom so it's a single bedroom it's not like you've got a flat and then you've got two bedrooms so I was in there for a year and then I was offered a property, which was coincidentally right next to where I'm living right now, funnily enough. And I was offered that property for my family to move in. It was a one bedroom flat. Okay. But we went there for viewing and that's where things get really, really messed up. We went there for viewing and we were told that if you don't like this property, that basically you can say no. So we went inside, we saw mold, a lot of mold some leakage, stuff like that. And we went back to council and I said that my wife has got severe asthma and I've got my asthma and I've got young kids. I cannot be staying in a property where there's a leak, there's mold. I'm not talking about small mold. I'm talking about a whole portion of water, basically. And at that point, council came back to me and they said, because you're saying no to this property, that means you've made yourself homeless intentionally. Yeah, intentionally homeless. I, I don't know about all boroughs, but I know a particular borough that has the same policy. So if you if they show you around somewhere and you say, no, I don't want it, then they'll say, okay, you've made yourself intentionally homeless. And yes. some of the reasons that I've seen people say they don't want properties has varied from, well, my stepfather who sexually molested me lives around the corner and I, I don't understand how you would not then want to put that person back on the list. But that person was told, no, you've made yourself intentionally homeless by saying no. Loads of reasons. And I don't know. It's just, okay. So do you kind of, I know what you're going to say and know what your response is going to be, but do you kind of see why councils would say to people, you get one offer. If you're homeless, you get one offer and that's it. Do you understand why they say that? Yes, but they didn't inform us. And that's another problem that I have faced with them is that you didn't inform us. If I knew, I'd be like, I don't care what's in that flat. So I went back to council and I said, look, if you're saying this, I'm more than happy to move in. And they came back to me and said, too late, you have to move out. That was a shock. And yeah. So not only you didn't take that property and then it gone, but they also wanted you to move out of the property that you were currently in. Yeah. So the hostel that I was living in, they gave me ultimatum and they said, by the end of this week, you should be out. And I asked them, where am I supposed to go? And they said, that's not our problem. That's your problem. And by the end of the week, I was ready to go. And there was police officers, there was sheriffs, whatever. They, they were waiting outside. Sammy, do you know what? I was literally listening and I was feeling, oh, this is so emotional. Do you know the sheriffs? Have you seen uh, Don't, Don't Pay Will Take Away? Have you know the sheriffs? What are they called then? 
they're called bailiffs, not sheriffs. <laughs> just wanted to say. And sorry, I know it's not even funny. It's just when you said sheriffs, I was like, which sheriffs? I'm so confused. But no, they, like, they're definitely called bailiffs. I just mixed it up. There was bailiffs or <laughs> sheriffs, as Sammy calls them. I'm not wrong. No, 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 there's bailiffs. No, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. So Sammy just wanted to say that English isn't his first language, which is one that he used quite frequently when he allegedly doesn't understand. But do you know why you're getting confused, Sammy? Because Sheriff is American. In America, they have sheriffs. Yes, and I learned American English back home. So there you go. You were taught the word... Okay, we need to move on from this word sheriff. Okay, so... Let's do it working, right? The point I was trying to make is that a lot of people, a lot of people turned up. How did that feel? What did that feel like standing there with your wife and the baby with all these people when you didn't commit a crime, you didn't say you weren't going? What did that feel yeah. like? What did, how did you feel it, like you were treated? Because to me, I would, I don't know. I would have just felt like I was being treated like, basically like I had done something wrong. True. And I asked him, I said, is there, is there a reason, is there a crime being committed or you being here that I'm getting evicted? That doesn't make sense that you are here. And the answer that I got from police officer, he said, they are there for to make sure there's no breach of peace. But I said back to him that you being here is basically rubbing me off in a wrong way. So you, you're causing breach of peace. But anywho, I didn't make a fuss. I just picked my stuff up and I left. And <laughs> the funny, the, the coincidence was when, I was getting evicted from the hostel. My parents were back home. They locked everything up when they went back home. So you I couldn't gone, go to you their could have gone, You could have gone to their I couldn't go to my parents' house. Yes, I could have gone, but I couldn't. And then my in-laws were in Coventry and I couldn't go to outside London because my job was here. So we were like on the streets and thank God for shelter. We rang them up and we explained that we we're going through this and on, uh, on behalf they spoke to council and they got us a hotel room for a couple of nights. And they basically said that, look, it's only for a couple of nights. Afterwards, basically, you are on your own. That's the best we can do. So those two nights, we stayed in a hotel. And the third night, we spent in a police station with how my kids you, on the floor. How did that happen? Right. So after two nights in the hotel, which was paid by, by the council, thanks to shelter, they made, they made them do this. And after the second night, we had nowhere to go. So my wife and me, along with our kids, we went to police station and we were like, look, we've got nowhere to go. Can you help us? And police said that we are police force. We don't get involved in anything to do with social services. So we can't help you. So we said the least you can do is, because it's a 24-hour police station, can you just allow us to be here for the night? And they said, yes, you can do it. So thanks to them, that one night we spent there, that's what we did. Where did you sleep? Except in police station on the floor. <laughs> Right. No, was it? I meant like you didn't sleep in, I don't know, like in a cell or. No, 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 no. They, they basically said it's a reception. So, and we are open 24 hours. So, if you want to stay here, you're more so than. You slept, on, you slept in a police reception? Yes, with my wife and kids. What was that like? It was okay. What can I do? What did that feel? What was that experience? Leaving the hostel, being met by police, a bailiff, or if you're Sam, a sheriff. Sheriff. So then being, yes, fine, and then you were put up in a hotel for only two nights. And then. Yes, yes. So let me explain this to you like this. Do you know how it feels like? It feels like you are alone in this whole universe. Like people are going around you doing their business 
and they're living their life and you're there like you're homeless. You've got nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. If it's raining, if there's a storm outside, you're basically on your own. And it, that the first time I felt like I'm alone, nobody is homeless. That's what it felt like. And it's, it was such a hopeless feeling. I've never felt like that before. And I've never felt like that again. But that night was something else. Yeah, and it felt how, hopeless. How was your wife holding up with all of this going on? We were numb. We were numb. And my kids were crying because we stayed outside the whole day. It's quite cold. This was uh, just after Christmas. I'm sorry, just to mention this time you've had another child. Yes, yes. So two kids by then. The second daughter was born while in the hostel. Okay. No, it's just because yeah. you keep saying kids, but we didn't say that you had another, you had another child. Yes. So that's why. Yeah, so I had another child whilst I was in the hostel. So I had two kids with me and they were crying. They vomited. We had no way to, cl to clean their clothes. So it was like that. And yeah, that image is going to stay with for the rest of my life for good. Like it pushes me, motivates me to do better every day and make sure that doesn't happen. Because I, I partially blame myself for what I put my family through. Even though they don't blame me, I blame myself. So yeah, that was one horrible why do you blame yourself? I shouldn't have said no to that property. But even if there's leaks, even if it was coming down, even if there's mold. I, I don't know how to explain this, but I think being homeless is worse than, you know, living in a, I don't know, living in a dumpster is better. I think in hindsight, you say this, but you don't know, you don't know what the situation could have been if you had taken that property. You don't know if your wife, one of your kids or you could have got ill, you know, depending on how bad the mould was. You, you yeah. just don't know. Yes. Yeah, so also I was told that once you get this property, basically you stay in there. And if this leaks and moulds, my concern was health issues for my wife. She's got severe asthma. I cannot explain what she goes through. But you know what? It's better than being homeless. There's this act called Fit for Human Habitation Act, and it lists different things on it, which goes against the Fit for Human Habitation Act. And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't, I don't know. But I'm sure if you're with a council or a housing association, you can actually get a solicitor and do a disrepair case if you don't feel like the property's fit for you. But it lists different things, and one of the things that's on there is mould. Right, I mean, this sounds really good on, on the paper. All I'm trying to say is, you don't know how it would have been if you had taken that property. Yes, but the point I'm trying to make is, all these acts are really good, but in reality, to implement them, it's, it's not that easy. Like Last week, there was another housing association in Freudian. It was in the news. Like You can literally Google it and see the pictures of the leaps and moles in the property. And I'm like, really? Like, there's such a big leap. Uh, the lady has put a tub in there and it fills up every hour. They're like, it's what it is. It's just disgusting. It makes me sad that we live in a world where we think it's okay for other human beings to live like that. Yeah, yeah. Where did you go from there? This is where you come in, because whilst I was homeless, that night I spent in police station, the very next day, I had an interview for a job in a housing association where I went for the interview and you were sitting in the room. There's three people. You were there, a couple of other staff members. And then, yeah, you picked me up. Well, no, we just gave you the job. Yeah, you, you guys gave me the job and that saved my life because 
once I started working for that housing association and they started paying my wages, it was pretty good wages. I went back to private property. And even though I had to sacrifice a lot of my, you know, like my, I stopped drinking coffee just to save money, this and that, whatever. You, you entered the world where you were sacrificing things, which I call first world issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, we cut off a lot of groceries just to make sure we keep on paying rent. So we stopped buying stuff, food for ourselves, one tuna can for each person, like adults, my wife, and we used to survive that. We stopped buying meat, beef, whatever. Yeah. Cut off everything because my wages were going for private rent. Did you know about things like food banks? No, I'm too naive for that. I had no idea about food banks. I was buying everything with my own pocket. But that job helped me to get back on the ladder of private men. So that's where you come in. And I cannot thank you and that housing association, everybody who made it possible to get that job. So now, now, do you understand? You understand when I said to you, I cannot thank you. I can never thank you enough. It wasn't, it wasn't us. We didn't get you the job you got yourself a job yes but what you don't understand is that just because you saying yes to me how it panned out in the next few years like i'm sitting in a in a house now it's because of you don't really get that it's because of you you turned up to that interview you did mm, i'd say an average job um, <laughs> you yes but when i was given i still remember you asked you asked me that if i'm given an option of choosing like this is the wage income ban and then this is this which, which option would you take i said the highest wages that you were offering at that time yes and if let's say you were to say he he's not going to get what he's asked that i would never be able to go on that letter of private property rent Rent market. I would never be able to do that. So thanks to you, you, you should take some credit. No, it it was actually all you. Yeah, it was all you. I'm not going to change my opinion. I think I now I think you you might be able to understand when I say I can never thank you. It's the first time I understand what you what you went through. But even then, I don't I understand. But I I can't imagine that. I can't imagine someone going through that. I'm not in touch with this lady. It's been years she used to work for that housing association i was working for to a contractors and she used to work in facilities team her name was mandy that's her name she was a facilities team member and she saw me carrying this bag around and she asked me that what's this bag with, cl with clothes in it so i explained that i'm homeless i'm on the streets so when i'm coming to work because i was a key handler so i explained that this bag is basically i'm homeless and she felt so sorry for me that she basically applied for this job on my behalf. And this was supposed to be an internal job opportunity, even though I was an outsider. She did something that you'll never forget, something so small for her that you'll never forget. And and she doesn't know. Like she's she I don't think she knows what she's done for me. She did this, and it's so funny that the week I joined that housing association is the week that she was leaving. So she's not in touch with me and she doesn't know what she's done. Like because of this one action of hers, there's like a ripple effect that I came back into private rent property. My kids had a roof on their head and then things panned out in a way. She's gone with her life. She doesn't know, but I pray for her. Where are you in your life now? Are you in a good place? Do you feel that experience has made you partly the person that you are today like you're still growing you know each experience is it's a lesson 
Yes. So what I would say is I'm so thankful that I went through that experience. It's given me a renewed energy and motivation to keep on going for my kids. Every day I wake up, I go to work. I'm so grateful for my job. I'm so grateful for what I have now is that I, I want to keep it. I would never, ever go back to that place that I was in five years ago and watching my kids on the streets being homeless. I know it's a bad experience, but I think the positive out of this is that it's made me such a better human being. It, it's helped me grow up. And it's the motivation that I would do anything now to make sure I'm never homeless again. Even if that means I have to move mountains, I'm going to do it for my kids, for my family. I'm very grateful for what they experience. I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's life, you know. These things happen and you got you have to know. You are a good person. I'm glad you're happy and I'm glad that you're still aiming higher. Thank you. And I'm going to ask you to give yourself some credit. You need to give yourself a lot of credit. Sammy, one last thing. What would you say to people about their perception of immigrants who come over to this country? Immigrants bring a lot of skill with them. Open your mind and hearts. Accept them. Be nice to them. They're not going to say anything to you. They're not here to harm you. I think you should welcome them. Be nice to them. We all can be decent human beings to each other. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Chatterholic. Please, please, please subscribe. My next episode called Premier in the Pandemic will be available soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a lovely evening or morning or afternoon. Thanks.